Welcome to Jim Galliano's Building a Better Web Presence podcast. Build something better with less moving parts, less overhead, and less headaches. Hey everyone, this is Jim Galliano from jimgalliano.com and thanks for joining me for today's podcast episode. I'm really glad you're here. This is episode 235. And uh, this is the podcast, if you're joining for the first time, where we talk about online business success, building a better kind of online business, one that doesn't have a lot of stress associated with it. And I personally associate stress with having a lot of moving parts and not being able to keep up with all of these things that seem to be on endless to-do lists from day to day, month to month, and then eventually year to year. And I know what it's like from personal experience to just be spread so thin, just doing so many different activities and just always feeling tired and confused and somewhat burnt out. And then eventually I got to the point where I realized it was time to change the structure of my business. And I began to focus more from moving away from that corporate type of approach to building a business to more of a solopreneurish style of building a personal brand because I realized there was a point where I was making so much effort to brand a company and to brand a company image, but people weren't remembering my company. That company image that I was trying so hard to, um, I guess, imprint on the minds of the people in my marketplace, it just wasn't sticking. What was sticking, however, was myself, the individual. And when I realized that over the course of many interactions, people were connecting with me as a person, it was more of a human-to-human type of situation where my brand was building, my company was building, in spite of the fact that I was trying to do things the difficult way. And all of these little pieces that had taken up and occupied so much of my thought life and time began to fall into place when I began to shift my mindset from promoting a company, from promoting a solution and promoting myself as being the person that was best suited to bring that solution to the market that I was in. I know that's really wordy, but I hope that makes sense the way I put it. That's the best way I could put it right now. And so You know, I look out there today and I know there's business owners out there that are looking to sharpen their marketing skills. I talk to a lot of small agency owners that are looking to take their business as it is right now and redirect it in a more profitable direction. I talk to freelancers that are in this place where they feel like it's becoming increasingly difficult to set themselves apart from the other people who do the same or similar things and grow their own business. And I also help consultants who are looking to take their one-on-one type of approach to business and bring that to a one-to-many type of uh, business model. And all of these types of individuals have so much in common. The, The business owner, the small business owner, Uh, the agency owner, the freelancer, the consultant, all of them have similar type challenges. And so the solutions to their challenges that are out there today, the courses and the books and all of these things, what I find is many of these things 
really don't provide the direction that a lot of these individuals, or I should say all of these individuals, are hoping to get. And there's a reason for that. That's what I want to talk about in today's episode. Before you do any of the marketing, before you decide on should I have a podcast or should I build a YouTube channel or should I focus on blogging, you know, those are all great questions. But before we actually try to answer them and before we move forward with testing out some ideas, I think we have to really get settled on a few things. And I want to address those few things today. And I think that once you have these things in place, it makes everything else a lot easier. You know, as I talk on this podcast to all of you from week to week, keep in mind that I'm drawing from my own personal experience going back. Sometimes it's easier than others to remember what it was like when I was in the midst of a particular struggle or challenge. And I have to say that the struggle part, the challenge part, there's always going to be challenge on the horizon. We're always going to have challenges. There's no such thing as having so many of the, or having all of your I's dotted, so to speak, and T's crossed where there are no longer challenges because we are living in a fluid type of business environment and a marketplace where things change, but they don't change so drastically so quickly that we wake up one morning and we don't have a business anymore. I mean, maybe that does happen to someone every now and then, but that's kind of like an outlier type of situation. That's not the norm. And so as I have worked with business owners, agency owners, freelancers and consultants, as well as running my own agency and my own consulting business over time, I too, just like you, have had to make adjustments that were critical at specific junctures in time. Before we go any further, though, I'd like to give a shout out to my friends over at Whereby at Whereby.com. That's W-H-E-R-E-B-Y.com. With Whereby, you can enjoy simple, beautiful video calls with your clients, your team, your friends, or your family. They have a very simple way that you can connect with anyone you want, individuals or groups, over video. You don't have to worry about people downloading and installing apps. You don't have any long meeting links or anything like that. You can even add video calls to your website with their new Whereby embedded feature. I do think that costs a little extra. I didn't look into that. But if branding is extra important to you, it is an option. So that's maybe something you want to check out. Whereby, Whereby is a great Zoom alternative. And nothing personally against Zoom. I used Zoom before. I liked it. But I just found that... Some people were having issues getting on calls and downloading and installing things and not sure if they were doing it right. So I started using it a few months ago. And since that time, I have to say that overall, everything is much easier for everyone. It's easier for me. It's easier for my friends and my clients, easier for family. And again, like I said before, because there's nothing to install or download, that's what makes it just a straightforward process. To me, it's really a great Zoom alternative, and I think you might agree with me as well. Also, it costs a little bit less, so if you want to save a few dollars, and as an added bonus, I do have to admit, I think their audio is, and I'm not the only one who said this, but I think their audio is even better than Zoom. So go ahead, check them out, get started with their free trial today, see what you think, whereby.com. So now back to what I was saying. I was, there There have been critical points in my business life, as there is in yours, where either you've gone as far as you're going to go the way you're doing things, 
or you're just getting started, or you're rebooting, you're just at this juncture where you need to do something different. And what that different thing is, is not clear to you yet. And so you may jump into things like the, the tactics or the strategies of how you're going to move forward, which one best fits your personality. And there's nothing wrong with that. I really believe that you need to use a strategy that fits you as an individual like a glove or as close to like a glove as possible. Because if you have to do something you don't enjoy doing, you're not going to do it over the long haul. I know this from personal experience. There are things that I wish I could be consistent doing. I'm just not consistent doing them. And after X number of years of trying to gain some consistency in those things, I've just come to the conclusion for whatever reason, maybe it's something that's fixable, maybe not, but it's just not getting done. And so rather than be in this circle of frustration where you try, fail, try, fail, try, fail, I just decide to get out of that circle altogether and figure out what it is that I could do and stick with over time. And so there's something about success that enables you to stick with something. I want you to just consider that too, because if you do something and people respond, then that inspires you to keep on doing what you're doing. So there is that element, I think, that goes along with it too. But when you're at that point where you're just getting started, you may be thinking, should I focus on doing this activity more than I've been doing in the past? Because obviously, if you really want to look at business from an ABC, you know, the basics standpoint, you can just say, well, I need to sell more of what I do. But I find that in experience, it goes even deeper than that. And not that I want to get really involved into mindset today. I really don't. I just want to look at things very, maybe from an oversimplistic way, just so that you can understand where you fit into this whole process. And I want you to think about this. Now, let me just give you an example, which I think can really spell it out. The one industry I think that best illustrates the point that I'm going to make is the weight loss industry. Because people come into that industry, uh, and I mean, health and fitness overall, I think, is a good example because it's such a personal thing. Take the person that's overweight and they don't really feel good about themselves. I'm sure you've seen stories online or watched videos. I know I have about people that were just incredibly overweight and how it affected everything in their life. It affected their relationships it affected their happiness, their, their mental health, every, their physical health. Everything was affected by the fact that they were overweight. And usually there was something that happened that brought them to that point. But then even if you put the overweight people into one category, there's another category of people that people really don't talk about very much because compared to the overweight people, they're a smaller number. But there's the underweight people. And usually guys fit into this category, but, you know, they're skinny and they don't have a lot of strength. And I was in this category as a teenager. I just felt like the um, like the old cartoons, the 98-pound weakling that got uh, sand kicked in his face as a young teenager, just entering my teen years. And I was on the opposite end of the spectrum. I wanted to build myself up and be stronger and all those other things and, you know, become a man. And so if you look at kids as an example of this you can look at the skinny kid you can look at the overweight kid and you can make you can draw the analogy here and so what happens enter into the picture the health guru or the weight loss guru 
or the person that's going to build the skinny kid up into a strong, uh, confident person. And people go through this journey. They go through this before and after experience where they come in one way and they go through this process and they get the encouragement they need along the way. They get the instructions they need. They get the programs they need and the support they need. And they come out on the other side a transformed person. I remember one video I watched where this guy was so overweight that the best thing that he could do was walk to the corner. And that was it. He could only walk to the corner and then come back. And eventually he kind of jogged to the corner. But his story was incredible. I believe he lost like 300 pounds or, and had like another 100 to go. But he was way up there. I think it was like 600 pounds. And it was incredible how he did it. And he had gone through many programs before, and they all failed for various reasons. Why? Until he got on this one program, and then he kind of became the spokesperson for it. So we've all seen those stories before, but I want you to think in terms of the person that provides that trans transformation, the person that takes the overweight person or the skinny person and brings them through this transformation. When they come out the other side, they're happier, they're healthier, they look great. The clothes fit great. They look good in the mirror. They feel good about themselves. They feel good about their life. And they get out in the world and they actually start living. They go from this place where they were just existing to a place where they're living. Okay, so now you and I have businesses. Now, we may not be. I'm guessing that you're probably not in the weight loss or the weight gain or the muscle building or anything like that. If you are, that's fine. I'm sure then you really relate to what I just said. But we're all in the transformation business. People come to our front door, so to speak, of our business one way. And if they step through that door, are they going to leave the same way they came in? And if not, what is the transformation that we're going to provide our clients? What are our clients looking for? And is what we're currently, is our before and after? If we take people from a before state to an after state, what is that right now? Not what do we want it to be tomorrow? And that's fine, thinking about tomorrow. I'm saying that where are you with that right now? So for example, some of my friends have a certain type of business where they do design or they build websites or they offer consulting. For, for those of you who are in that area, matter of fact, I can go right back to what I said earlier. If, you, if you're a small business owner, small agency owner, freelancer, consultant, any one of those types of people, so people come to you one way. How are they leaving right now? What type of transformation are you offering them? Are you giving them today? And is that transformation worth what they're paying you? Because you see, at the end of the day, the value is based on the experience. The value that a person gets that comes in one way and, go out, and goes out the other the value is the total sum of the experience. Now with the guy that goes in at 600 pounds and comes out at 200 pounds, look at the value that he gets. It goes way beyond the fact that he's eating better. It goes way beyond the fact that his, he looks good in his clothes again. Well, I guess he'd have to buy all new clothes at that point, right? It goes way beyond the, uh, the fact that now he can have healthier relationships because his self-esteem or her self-esteem, we can use women too, um, is so much better. See, that is the true value. And it's tough to put a price on value. 
But yet, that's exactly what people buy. If you, I remember, I had this. The way I see value has changed so much over the years, and the one, the, if there's such a thing as the tipping point where you have an experience, it was this for me personally. So I had a, a client friend who I was working with, and I remembered that there were times where he would spend three, four, five thousand dollars without batting an eye on something that was. Well, I didn't consider it really valuable. He did because it fit his lifestyle. And I remember thinking to myself, I can't imagine him. I, I mean, I can't imagine me. I, obviously, I can imagine him because he did it. Spending um, three, four, five, six thousand dollars on that kind of an item. But yet at the same time, I remember him haggling over the price of something that was fourteen dollars. And a good example of that, at least from my perspective, is a book. I remember, now this is going back a while, but I remember when paperback books were pretty cheap. And I haven't bought a paperback book in a while. But I remember when Amazon first was kind of getting its legs under itself and Kindle you know, started becoming a thing. Kindle books were very inexpensive. And then suddenly I noticed that you know, the Kindle books are especially the ones that maybe are on the like a bestseller list, they're getting up there around $11, $12. And to me, $11 or $12 on a Kindle book seems like a waste of money. Now, I'm not going to say every single Kindle book is a waste of money, and I know that if a book changes your life or inspires you, how can you put a dollar amount on that to a, to a point? I understand that argument, believe me. I've been there myself. But when I heard it come out of his mouth, Someone who was easily parting with several thousand dollars and then had trouble parting with $14. And I asked him just flat out. I mean, that's really inexpensive because I don't, I don't look at things based on their price. Now, of course, if you have quite a bit of money, you can say that. I don't look, I don't look at my purchases based on the price because I just purchase based on value. And to me, $14 for what he was looking at was not worth it. And so... Is there an emotional component there? I, I think there is. Is there a logical component there too? Yeah, I think both are. But, you know, we can sit around and, and debate it forever and you know, maybe we'll never really get a clear answer. But the reality is this is how it plays out in everyday life. People are purchasing value today more than they ever have before. Here's a good example of it. I'm, I'm guessing that you have this to some degree in you already because when you go shopping lately, have you noticed how much the groceries cost versus how much they cost maybe 12 months ago or 24 months ago? When you go to the store and you buy something, maybe it's milk, do you often feel like, oh, I'm not going to spend $5 on something that you used to spend $3 for? Or you buy less of it. Why? It comes down to value because it seems like even though it's only $2 more or $3 more or $5 more, that's not the point. It's the point where you feel like you're wasting money. So, for example, if you saw a dollar bill lying on the floor, a $5 bill laying on the floor, can that does that really have any kind of buying power? Probably no, it doesn't. But that doesn't mean that you pick it up on, you know, with the you sweep it into like a little pan and put it in the garbage. No, you would pick it up and you put it in your wallet. So we do have this understanding, this deep-seated understanding from you know, 
just being alive in the world for however long, however old you are, that yes, things have value and we don't just throw things away because we can, but the way we see value and the way we respond to it, it varies from person to person. But when we apply that to our own business, then I think we get a better understanding of how a more realistic understanding, I guess you might say, of how people are viewing our business. Because if they don't see the value in what we're giving them, then maybe the reason is it's not because we don't do a good job at what we're doing, but we don't present it in a way that the value becomes obvious to the person who's going to be making that buying decision. And so, for example, in my own industry with website development, the value of a website, just a website in general, has decreased over the years. The way the value of a TV set has decreased over the years and a lot of other things that fall under that technical category. A website is a website is a website the way the TV is a TV is a TV. But when we get really down to the purchasing decisions, just like buying that TV, what are some of the things that we're going to take into consideration? Well, number one is the value that we're going to get out of that purchase. So if we just want like a TV for the garage or something small that we could put in an area that if we're over there that we can watch something that we like, or it might be the same thing with the devices that we use. You know, maybe you want this little handheld device to watch YouTube videos on before you go to sleep at night. You don't want to bring a laptop into your bed with you or you don't want to, you know, be in the other room. You want to just kick back and relax on the couch and have a small device. Maybe you don't like the phone because the phone is too small or maybe the phone is really valuable to you because you're mobile all the time and, you know, at least 50 percent of your business can be done on a mobile phone. Do you see where I'm getting at? So when we look at our business in general, you have to ask yourself the question, what would be the best possible before and after experience that I would be able to deliver to my own clients and my own customers? Because maybe you're not doing it right now, and that's fine to realize that. That's why sometimes you have to just step back a little bit and really audit what you're doing and look at just the mechanics of how your business is set up and how it's performing in whatever market that you happen to be in. And remember, when I use the word value, don't just put that word in the same category as other marketing type of geek speak terms. Value is not just limited to money. And a lot of times when we use that word, that's all people think about, value-based sales. But value goes above and beyond money. For example, people have a lot of fears and frustrations that they deal with on a personal level within their own business. They feel like they're being torn in so many different directions. They're getting so many pieces of conflicting advice, and they're just exhausted trying to figure out what direction is best for them to take. And so if you're going to deliver a before and after experience to people who are experiencing those frustrations and those fears and those anxieties as they relate to their business, being able to remove all the above creates another type of value that's possibly above and beyond the financial side of it. For example, if I sell a $3,000 service that's designed to help you make $6,000 in the next 90 days, well, then the value there is financially based, obviously. But if I provide another type of service or another before and after type of experience that involves the end of you endlessly having to read books and take courses on copywriting or marketing or social media and just the endless loop that you find yourself in, 
the value of being removed from that loop and having all this time restored back to you again, that too can be very significant. Also, there are other types of value as well as other types of before and after experiences that aren't as dramatic as, let's say, losing hundreds of pounds and changing someone's life. Every day when you think about it, we do things like we watch movies, we read books, we do other similar things, play games to escape boredom, use our imaginations, or just have some fun. So the people who create all of those things are creating value, they're creating things that give us a before and after experience. So maybe ask yourself, as far as your business goes, what kind of before and after experience, however simple or however complex, can you bring to your customers, to your clients, or to your market in the not-too-distant future? Something that will be valuable to them. And if you're already in business, you're already delivering something of value on some level. You have to recognize that. So if that's you, maybe the question would be, how could you make it a little better? And if you're looking to take your business in a different direction, maybe ask yourself the question in the light of the experience you already have. Maybe you'll have to add some new things to what you're doing. I've talked about that before to increase your value or to give people a better overall experience after having done business with you or while they're doing business with you, provide a better experience and so forth. And then once you get clear on what these things are, clarity is the key here. Once you are clear on what these things need to be and start getting these elements in place, you're going to have something that you can really get behind and you can really believe in because you know what you have to offer. You know it works. Not knowing those things puts us in a place where we're kind of, I don't know, fake it till you make it is really the right way to put it, but we're dealing with an incomplete maybe product service We're dealing with an incomplete plan or an incomplete strategy. So as I was saying earlier, I would start with a self-audit, and that way you can get clear on the best outcome or the best result that you're capable of delivering. And then once you get clear on that, things like mission statements and finding your why and all of the other things that people like to talk about, all those things become a lot easier to articulate. And remember, as you do this, Value isn't limited to just income or money. Both are important, of course, but solving problems for people, things that are causing them frustration or anxiety or pain, those are emotions that everyone can relate to. And there are good reasons why people should invest with you right now, with your business, with you instead of your competitors. And so once you get clear on what those reasons are, and once you can tweak the little things that make those reasons a reality and make them even bigger reasons why they should be doing business with you instead of other people, then not only are you going to be able to transform others more effectively, but you'll also be transforming yourself in the process. So once this first part is done, once you're done with this, and this doesn't have to be a long, drawn-out, elaborate process You could do the whole thing on the back of a napkin, so to speak, if you want to, if that's your personality type. You can take a day and work on it on and off. I know a lot of things lately I find myself working on and off with. (laughs) I'm not sure why that is. Maybe it just has to do with the distractions or juggling multiple projects. I like to keep things simple, but sometimes I too get in this place where I have to do multiple projects and it's just a temporary thing. It's not something that stretches on for months and months at a time, but it's just part of what goes into the work scenario. 
So, but once the first part's done, you can see the big picture of what your business is really all about. And then maybe from there, then you can go ahead and if you want to, you can create a sponsored ad for the Facebook feed and see what type of return you get on that. You can set up your business, your Google business listing. If you're familiar with how those work, where you have the maps and people can leave reviews, if you have that kind of business structure or setup. I personally like to take the time to write a, what we might call a long form blog post, and then ranking that specific blog post to help generate traffic to my website. Maybe creating a community around a topic will work for your specific use case. You can do that on Facebook. You can do that on LinkedIn. I know in my own area on Facebook, there's approximately 35 to 45 business groups just for my town alone, which is basically a small city, and they have active Facebook community pages. So those are all places where I can reach out to people in my local area. And even though these Facebook community pages don't drive really direct traffic the way they used to, what they do is they do help create awareness which is something that is responsible for more results than a lot of people realize. Another example is I've seen people do product reviews now on Instagram because their audience enjoys using Instagram. And, you know, something I just want to share here, I just want to keep my eye on the clock because I don't want to go for a long time. The other week I sat down with a client. We were talking about 2021 in retrospect, how their business did, and their business had their best year ever in 2021 and they've been in business for over 20 years and I looked closely at all of her marketing data and the interesting thing is if I compare 2021 with 2020 the previous year nothing stood out as far as data goes when comparing the best year ever to the year before she had a bit more traffic to the business website which is fine but if you look at the year before that the traffic was pretty much comparable but there were less online purchases in 2021, which again was her best year ever as compared with 2020. She has a brick and mortar business location. And while the online sales made a big difference in 2020 because not that many people in 2020 were going out and visiting physical store locations because of the shutdowns and everything that went along with that, I think that our customers were really looking forward to coming back to the physical location in 2020 and making their purchases in person. But the point I wanted to make about all of this is this. If I didn't know, if she hadn't told me that 2021 was her best year ever, there was nothing in the data itself that would have made me draw that conclusion. Wow, you had an incredible year. And what you can take from that, the takeaway from that is a lot of you out there spend a lot of time Maybe you're active on Facebook or you're active on Instagram or you're trying to build a YouTube channel, whatever you're doing, you're blogging, and it doesn't seem like you're really getting that kind of traffic, the kind that you think is necessary to increase your customer base, to sell more products and services. It really doesn't feel like it's working. And in this situation here, it's a perfect example that all of these activities, what they do accomplish is collectively they create a greater degree of awareness than would be there if these people hadn't engaged in all of these different activities. Again, blog posting, social media, creating videos. So the next time you find yourself a bit frustrated because it doesn't seem like maybe your YouTube channel isn't gaining any traction or 
no one's commenting on your blog posts, or it could be any number of things. Just realize that certain types of success on the backside are not really measurable. And so even with my own business, I had a great 2021 and really closed out the year with a, it was really a good close to the year for me. I'll just leave it at that. But the amount of purposeful marketing activity that I did in 2020 was probably less than I've done when compared with the previous five years. I put less effort into marketing in 2021 than I had in at least the previous five years. But as far as the income to my business goes, it was right up there. So the the lesson here to be learned is don't just look at the numbers and then become frustrated because it doesn't seem like maybe you're getting the traction with that type of thing that you're doing with that type of activity. Think about it this way. Imagine that you write a blog post and imagine 10 people read it. No one comments, but one of those people is really impressed by what you had to say. And that person goes on to become a customer or a client of yours for life. Things like this happen more often than you think. Someone watches a video of yours, they read a few of your blog posts, down the line, they hire you. So people wonder, is it worth the time writing blog posts or recording videos or uploading new podcasts or podcast episodes? Are all these activities worth the time? Is it really worth the effort? Absolutely it is. Yesterday, you know, I had someone contact me about a blog post that I wrote three years ago. And I wrote it with the intention on driving traffic from searches to my website, got it to the first page. Now, this isn't a ultra competitive keyword phrase that I ranked this article for, but it was very specific to what I do. And here we are three years down the line. What this article did was it connected me with a group of people that I would have otherwise never connected with. So is it worth the time? Is it worth the effort? Yes. They may have to temper how much energy, how much time you put into these things. You're only one person, so you do have to pick your battles. You do have to, well, you don't have to keep things simple, but I, I recommend doing just that. But before you get started with any of this, before you get started looking through all of the options and the activities that you can use to connect with new people, before you decide between should I be creating videos, audios, should I be blogging, should I be doing this or that, before you do any of that, get clear on what before and after experience. Remember we were talking about that? Get clear on the before and after experience that you want to deliver to your customers, to your clients, to the people that you'll be meeting in the months and years ahead. Get clear on why you are the best option out there. Those two things, the experience you want to deliver and why you're the best option out there. And if you can't see yourself in that light, then at least be able to see yourself as one of the best options out there. Do those two things, and those are the beginning. That's like a foundation, and everything else from focusing to executing your plan will become much easier going forward. And if you need help with these things, feel free to reach out to me. You can reach out to me at my main website at jimgalliano.com, and we'll take it from there. All right, let's go ahead and put the bookmarker in it there. That's about all for today. I really hope you enjoyed this episode. If you think it will help a friend, please go ahead and share the episode link with them or send them to jimgalliano.com forward slash podcast. Thanks again for listening. Have a great rest of your week and I'll talk to you later.